0: So we came across this kind of ring which said that you could you it measured stress and we said, wow, what if we could what if we could measure stress, not just not just hear from people what they thought their stress was, but actually measure stress and see if when we change design or we change process that is actually making a quantitative difference.
1: Welcome to the Wonder Podcast. This is your host, CCB, and I am delighted to introduce another one of our 2020 Wonder Grant award winning teams today. If you don't uh, know what the Wonder Grant is, I'm going to take one second and explain that uh, we launched the Wonder Grant program in 2019 to support and celebrate thought leadership in the de- architecture and design community. And what we really wanted to do was empower our design colleagues to develop unique research about some a topic or an interest that they have a great passion for. So in 2020, one of our award winners was Boulder Associates. And I'm delighted to have Meredith and Jenny from Boulder Associates on the podcast today, to explain their particular Wonder Grant project. Jenny, introduce yourself, if you will, please, and Boulder Associates.
2: Okay. I am Jenny Hastings. Hello, everyone in podcast land. Uh, I am an interior designer uh, inside out of our Sacramento, California office. I'm one of the principals in that office as well. Um, again, I've been at Boulder Associates 17 years, and when I got into... Um, Our firm, so Boulder Associates, is a firm that is 100% healthcare and senior living. And uh, when I started at Boulder Associates, I I didn't, you know, know much about healthcare design. I had come right out of school, and I realized very quickly that I loved designing spaces that had a really powerful impact on people, and especially in healthcare, in the way that people heal and in the way that their families are able to go along on their healthcare journey with them. And so. I went along for many years at the firm working on projects and then at some point, maybe uh, five or six years ago, I had the opportunity to work on a couple of projects that allowed us to dig a little bit deeper into um, really doing some some cool uh, work with a, a couple of clients around involving patients in our design process and really trying to um, be more rigorous in the way that we as designers and architects approached our work and so with that, um, we were afforded the ability to bring Meredith onto our team as our director of research. And I have gotten to work alongside Meredith since she joined our team. And it's just been a really incredible, um, incredible journey. And so she's she's the champion of this of this grant in our effort. And so I, I get to uh, I consider myself lucky to have her as my colleague to to do these, these types of projects with. And again, better, better the work that the firm does. Um, in um, supporting our, our healthcare clients. And she's, she's part of our team, um, a part of a team that we call BA Science. And I'll let her explain a little bit more about BA Science. Excellent, Meredith, join us.
0: Thank you. It's great to be here. Jenny, thank you for such kind words. I I feel lucky to be part of, of uh, Boulder Associates. My background, um, actually, my undergraduate degree was in classics and archaeology. So I like to say kind of studying archaeology is sort of just doing architecture in reverse because you look at artifacts and kind of um, the uh, building, whatever is left of buildings to try to understand people and cultures. And in architecture, we just kind of do that in reverse. We design spaces and artifacts to support people and cultures. So when I finished my professional degree in architecture, um, I started working uh, with the Academy of Neuroscience for Architecture when it had just first launched. This was back in 2005. And um, at that time, we were trying to understand sort of how people's brains um, were responding to space or impacted by space. Um, And so that sort of human environment interaction piece has always um, framed my work from that point on going forward. Um, Being a part of, Boulder Associates has been (laughs) amazing because um, Jenny has helped lead this effort to launch what we call BA Science, which is um, we consider the innovation arm of the firm and it brought together, kind of what was previously silos. So we had our we had our um, evidence based design kind of research group that Jenny and I are a part of, and then we also had our lean process improvement group, kind of working independently, and our sustainability sustainability leaders. And so BA Science kind of rolled that all together, so we can work together on projects which really helps us understand environments more as a system of um, spaces, of relationships between people and of processes and operations. So that's kind of the lens that, that we're looking at this.
1: That is fantastic. I mean, that's fascinating and fantastic and, uh, and unusual, I think, for a firm of your size, I would say in an interesting way. Um, so. So, given that, and given the Wonder Grant opportunity, uh, what drove you to put this particular project forward as a proposal?
0: Oh gosh! Um, so we had been we've we've been doing these kind of. Um, patient or kind of occupant journeys um, for a lot of our projects. And we have, as as, as part of understanding or documenting the journey, um, we would ask different groups, patients being one of them, kind of about different stress they felt at different parts of their journey. And um, stress was really hard to quantitatively map or to benchmark um, in these journeys, like were we actually making a difference in redesigning new spaces or operations and and changing their stress? We just, all we had is kind of anecdotal evidence from from these groups we were talking to. Um, So we came across this kind of ring, which um said that you could you it measured stress and we said wow what if we could what if we could measure stress not just not just hear from people what they thought their stress was but actually measure stress and see if when we change design or we change process that is actually making a quantitative difference so that was sort of the impetus in, in you know how do we measure stress and correlate that with um location and activity along somebody's journey
1: Danny, do you
2: have a comment about that? Uh, yeah, well, I, I think that the, the part of the reason, too, that we wanted to explore this is, you know, Meredith talked a little bit about BA science being this kind of innovation engine for the firm. And I think the, the, the exciting part to us about, you know, submitting for this grant is that it afforded us the opportunity to um, just dive a little bit deeper. And obviously we, we experimented on our, own, on our own staff, but dive a little bit deeper into some of the things that we're trying to do um, on our work within the firm. And I think that, you know, that's where a firm that's, you know, going on on 40 years of being 100% healthcare and senior living, we obviously have knowledge that we have about our clients and about spaces and about the way that we assume, you know, people respond to our spaces. But what we were able to do on this project that we can hopefully carry through is, um, is just dive deeper into really validating certain things that we might assume as designers and architects that about the healthcare spaces we design and 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 if not challenge that and hopefully bring back some new new findings to our teams and that's I think what a lot of the, the BA Science group is about. It's about challenging the perspectives of the firm, the you know how we approach our work and, and challenging our clients and others to to elevate healthcare spaces. So so now you've
1: you've made the proposal for this particular project and I will tell you uh, last year we received about 25 different proposals and uh, we have an independent um, and bl- uh, blind judging process where uh, the, all of the proposals are reviewed and ranked by a number of different judges against a certain set of criteria, which is fairly broad, um, but clearly it popped up. It, it, your, your proposal bubbled up to the top. And I will also say that there were an, a very large number of amazing proposals. So we intended to award six grants last year and we actually awarded seven because there were so many um, um, just solid and uh, unique and valuable uh, proposals, valuable to the design community and to the, um, to the, the human uh, experience within the built environment. So that being said, uh, your proposal, so you developed uh, a, a methodology, if you will, incorporating that ring. Could you walk us through that particular process?
0: Yeah, so the intent was kind of, yeah, we had this conceptual idea and with the proposal it was, all right, how do we actually go about doing this? How do we actually correlate um, human stress with location and then also activity? Because we knew activity was going to have some sort of interaction as well. And so we, um, We did use the rings to measure the stress. Um, We used a um, kind of Bluetooth. It was a Bluetooth low energy system of sensors and beacons. So the participants um, wore a beacon um, kind of on a lanyard around their neck or in their pocket if if they wanted um didn't didn't want it around their neck Um, and then they had sensors at their um off at at their office and home workstation and that had sort of a 25-foot range that could detect where they were Um, and then we also used an experience sampling methodology which essentially just sent text um, to their mobile device throughout the day, asking them three questions. And it, we wanted to know um, where they were, what they were doing, and um, how stressed they were. Because we wanted to, again, understand if there was any sort of relationship between their perceived stress and what, um, and, and what the physiological stress measures were. So that was the three components in our system. Because everything was time-stamped, it allowed us to Kind of connect the dots between the different data streams and and put them into kind of a single um, uh, canvas or um, spreadsheet um, and look for connections.
1: Uh, and and it's you know goes without saying last year was uh, was the onset of COVID, which I'm sure had some impact on your study. So you want to talk about you know um, what impact it may or may not have had and what did you do to pivot if you did?
0: Yeah, well, Jenny and I had a lot of discussions early on because again, we we knew we wanted to do this in our kind of healthcare settings ultimately. And so it was kind of, how do we do this with patients or with staff, but staff were wearing gloves and washing their hands all the time. Um, we didn't feel comfortable, <laughs> the patients, that just, we took that off the table early on. And so it was, um, well, what's a different mechanism we can use to sort of test this out, pilot it, see if it works, um, maybe before jumping in with healthcare um, occupants. And so just, it felt that our, our own staff, and um, as you mentioned, kind of during pandemic, this whole, there's so many questions globally about the work from home versus office workplace culture, and, you know, um, the and and even prior studies before the pandemic, as you know, um, which tried to evaluate this, were all kind of thrown out the window um, because it was such a, a larger movement that had to be restudied from the ground up. Um, so that's when we said, well, let's 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 look at our own employees and and see if there's any differences between. Um, stress when they're working in in the workplace the office workplace versus stress when they're working from their home environment
1: and uh jenny you're shaking your head what is there something that you'd like to contribute to that
2: i i just um it it was when we were talking about you know using using staff you know you say okay let's will people be on board will people be Want, want to want to do this with us. And it was really cool to see like how, you know, people, whether or not they signed up to be participants in the story. I think there was a lot of excitement around this. Like, we've had people that have asked afterwards to want to wear the rings to just see, to look at their stress. But I think, you know, part of what we try to do, you know, you talk again about the firm of our size, trying to infuse this behavior of questioning and challenging like into the firm. And so I think that was also a, an added benefit to running this internal to our firm was just to get people thinking about having maybe a, a broader natural curiosity for, for looking at exploring things a little bit deeper. And so that was, that was definitely a, an advantage that I didn't see going into this when we decided to do this with our staff was just how, how excited people would be about it. And then in, and even with the sample set that we had, people were interested in seeing what happened afterwards, how they, what the results were reading. I've heard people that didn't participate in the survey, but i read through it talking about it, talking about some of the things that we learned from it. So it's been, that part was also just pretty ex- exciting to do and it afforded us the ability to get get some of our folks on that Boulder Associates excited about, about the endeavor. That is, uh, I mean, that's so fantastic to hear
1: because we love hearing what the byproducts are of the, the work that the Wonder Grant teams are engaged with. And we do hear numerous unintended byproducts or results that have you know kind of positive nature. Um, the, uh, there was a question I know uh, in, when we did our webinar about uh, was there any hand picking or was it really a random selection of participants? And did that have any, do you, uh, Meredith, see any impact on results as a result of you know, who, the, who the participants were?
0: Yeah, so one of the things that came up um, during the webinar, I remember, was kind. Um, so we we said, you know, we didn't control for individual differences, and 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 there's other research out there which says absolutely individual differences will contribute to someone's stress in a work from home setting or a workplace setting. So, you know, things like personality, generation, what their home environment setting is is can. Is, is like do they have distractions there? Family roommates? Do they have social interaction from home? All those kind of things. So, um, you know, th- so the question came up: you didn't control for that. Why? And we, um, I mean, one one thing is we 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 have. Um, well, this was during the pandemic, so we are kind of a medium-sized firm, so we didn't have a huge sample to, to pull from. And then we we said, you have to work um, at least 20% of the work week from home one day, and at least 20% of the work week um, at the office. And so that also limited it. And so we, we, we took every single person who wanted to participate. Um, we didn't uh, we didn't have a lot of because of that 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 exclusion criteria right there. Um, we were really limited to who was eligible. So everyone who wanted to participate participated, but that really prevented us from um, um, doing sort of a controlled study looking at these other factors. And it was a small sample size; it was only a size sample of seven total.
1: So, uh, with the results that you received, what was the- the you know most surprising, or what was the most reinforcing, on opposite ends of the continuum of thoughts that you had or were considering.
0: So there, there was there were not clear cut um, results that said workplace is stressful or work from home is stressful. It it wasn't black and white. And I, I again, I I think that had we controlled for individual differences you would have seen more of those kind of effects because other research coming out is kind of showing that. So just because our study didn't show that, I want to be clear to say that doesn't mean it exists because it probably does. Um, But but what I thought was most interesting was kind of looking at as a continuum of their journey throughout a day and throughout a week. Um, And what we saw, where we saw the most interesting effects was kind of what was happening before and after discrete events and by an event, I mean either a change in activity or a change in location. So for example, when a participant was moving locations throughout the day, so if they were going from maybe they worked a few hours at home and then they went to um, a, a, a construction site and then they went to the office. Those, those days where they were moving locations were very stressful. Um, and the anticipation of moving uh, locations throughout the day um, seemed stressful. So if someone started their work day at home they would be high stress, and then they went to uh, another location and returned home, it would be, we would see lower stress. So again, it wasn't just the setting itself, but kind of this, this moving all the time within a course of a day that seemed to create stress. Um, and we, we saw kind of site visits as being the most stressful activity and that certainly could be related to COVID. Maybe the, just the fear about sort of having interactions with other people was stressful, but um, that, was, that was kind of clearly the highest stress activity.
1: Uh, was there anything surprising? I mean, that, that you kind of saw that you didn't anticipate there doesn't
0: have to be. I just wondered. Um, I hypothesized that driving would be one of the higher stress activities, and it actually was one of the lower stressed stress activities. And again, we don't we don't know if what traffic was or wasn't at this time or anything like that. Um, but it actually seemed like a, kind of a transition that allowed for more recovery, mm-hmm. almost as much as like. Um, Kind of after hours leisure time was was the only activity that was lower than driving, um, so that was yeah. interesting.
1: We did a um, we did a very informal set of interviews around uh, how you were feeling within the um, the the uh, work from home environment, and I more than let's say we did twenty interviews more than. 25% of them said they miss actually driving because there well, and also it's that transitional time from I'm leaving the office. Now I have, I can de you know, talks on my way to home. And there's, there is a piece there of, um, of, of habit when you think about it of, you know, being that separation or that liminal space in between activities. So that's kind of fascinating. Um, so when you think about, uh, the process and the um, and the tools that you've used are you uh, are you doubling down and saying yes we will do this again in another environment and what other things did you learn you know that you might make um, iterations to?
2: I guess my two cents yeah I I definitely think that this is something that we we would want to continue to expand upon and continue to find the opportunity you know especially as we come out of the pandemic to some extent trying to find ways to, to bring this into our healthcare projects whether it's through looking at you know staff again as Meredith said staff or patients I mean I, I think that it's something again in the spirit of wanting to just learn more and understand our spaces more and understand people's behaviors in existing spaces to inform spaces we design or, or how our, how the spaces we design perform I think it's definitely something that we want to continue. I mean, this is a, a good kind of beta that we got to do it. And so, again, the pandemic allowed us the ability to, to do to do this at a level where try it out on our, our staff first to make sure that we, the technology works, make sure that we can sync it up, make sure that it, it's starting to give us, um, an understanding of how we can leverage it moving forward on projects so.
0: Well I mean the other thing and CCB you know your industry has been saying this forever is like pair the right environment with the right task and that seems like one of that was one of the findings that came out as well. Um, I, I, I think the, the, the stress map that sticks out in my mind the most was a participant who put um, all her stressful activities, so all her site visits, her back and forth to the office, her meetings um, on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then did her focus work at home on Tuesday, Thursday. And you could see a very dramatic swing in her stress. And those interspersed days for focus work um, gave her health-wise that ability to recover. So much, much lower stress. I think her kind of the time above average on Monday when her kind of stress days were like was were like 80 percent, and then her on her focus days was like 20 percent. So a very dramatic swing in um, in her stress levels and and giving her that chance to recover. Um, and then kind of just, you know, although a lot has been made about the effect of, of Zoom fatigue and how stressful that is. And, and so we also saw some some effects of that where um, it was bookended. It wasn't necessarily during the Zoom meeting, but it was before and after we saw these spikes. So if you're piling on these Zoom meetings, you're getting this cumulative effect of um, the stress is building, 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 and, and you're not... You're building in that recovery time throughout the day, so it's it it it's thinking about how to schedule different work activities and then also matching them with the right setting that can support those activities. And again, I know your industry has been telling us to do this for a long time. <laughs>
1: uh, it, yes, 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 we have. And well, and the other <laughs> bit that you're addressing that is uh, that is a constant conversation and and is gaining um, gaining momentum is the idea not only of, well, you're just talking about it, choice and control, you know, that you have choices and that you can control the activities that you perform in wherever the environments are. And the, the higher the choice and control is the lower the stress. So, you know, there, that autonomy number kind of can move, um, about, Um, I do think as I've been sitting here listening to this, I'm, struck that, uh, that your practice is so focused on healthcare and on senior living, and, uh, and arguably there are higher stressors in the healthcare environment for patients and families, and obviously, and potentially staff as well, given whatever the activities are, um, but curious about the senior living, and would there, would there, be, uh, would there be applicability for that environment as well?
0: So I think for sure, because um, with office workers, I think the concern is chronic stress and too much stress. And with senior living, I think um, a concern could be under, being understressed. Because um, we know stress itself isn't a bad thing. We kind of need that, that balance between um, kind of our two, our two competing nervous systems there. And I think with senior living, a lot of times it's it's there's a that understimulation, um, and and sometimes it's the result of the person's cognitive abilities, but but certainly the environment plays a big role in that too. And so I think kind of we would we would we would look at um, kind of that lower end of the scale to evaluate that environments um, kind of opposite of what we might be looking at for office workers.
1: Oh. Well, I I personally am intensely fascinated by all of the research, and if I could go back to school, I would go back in cognitive science and behavioral, um, just to, to the the impact that not only place and that's our world, but the, the impact from all sorts of of stimuli. What what does that do to us, you know, as human beings? And your um, your work with this human environment interaction has just been uh, I'm going to say. Um, what's the right word? It's been motivating for us, you know, as we sat and looked at it, because we have been thinking about what, you know, what does uh, what does your engagement and your affiliation with space do for your uh, affiliation to the organization, to the brand, to the culture, but also to the uh, productivity that you can, um, you know, um, derive from the best environment for the activities that you're performing. So we're delighted that that we've had you. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us before we sign off? Think about our audience of uh, of architects and designers and and of um, a lot of end users in the healthcare and the learning environments and corporate world.
0: There's lots of others who are working on kind of data informed design and kind of dashboarding different environmental and human attributes. Um, so um, kind of what we're doing is not is isn't necessarily novel in that sense. But um, um, I think kind of one maybe key difference about how we're going about it is is trying to tell the story and communicate the results um, in in mo- still more of that. Um, Occupant journey, and um, right now I think that's kind of a little bit of a mismatch with with the with the high highly complex and technical aspects of working with data, but then how do you kind of humanize that to make it usable and understandable and digestible um, to um, to the consumers of that information, to the designers and, and our clients?
2: Honestly, I just want to wrap it by say, saying thank you so much for the the ability for us to go on this journey this grant was it It was a lot of fun I mean it was it was moments of I, I know when you mentioned earlier the the pivot I mean we had to we had to have an emergency pivot in our in our uh, during our our project when we had when you know with the with the pandemic when one of our offices our Boulder office kind of shut down and so we had to switch gears very quickly so there was a lot of moments of like navigating how to do this study but overall it was it was really exciting. It was afforded us the ability to, to, to test this out. And, and again, I look forward to all the things we can do with it in the future. So it was, it was, a, it was a bright spot in a, in a year that was certainly challenging. And so I think it was fun. It was nice to have some fun um, doing, improving our work and, and, and again, looking for ways to, to better our practice in the future.
0: Yeah, I, I want to thank you again too for the opportunity. I think the other types of funding mechanisms that are out there are so heavy on the research. And I felt like this allowed us to explore and innovate. And, and we really, really appreciate that. So thank yeah. you.
1: You are very, very welcome. And I would say that, you know, you could be poster, you know, people for the Wonder Grant to, to, to by virtue of not only the um the the depth of of uh of process thinking that you put and 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 uh, and iterative work on it, but also the the broad application across not only your clients but your practice in thinking through what did that uh, what was the impact of the grant itself. So we're delighted that we were able to share that with you, and thank you so much for sharing your work with us. I will let our audience know that the Wonder Podcast is available on all. Uh, on all of your podcast streaming services and thanks to Jenny and Meredith from Boulder Associates again for joining us today and we will be back again for another wonder podcast with more of the wonder grant winners thanks so much